Hello, I'm Dave, and this is the Doctor Who Show, and in this standalone episode of the Who Teaks Roadshow, I'm talking to Richard. Hello. Well, good for you to join me here, Richard. Now, we've known each other since about 1993. Or thereabouts, that'd be about right, so that's uh, well over 20 years. It is, which is... um. Wonderful and scary, <laughs> but definitely a um, familiar face of Australian fandom and good, good Victorian times fandom. and bad times, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, look, that sort of summarises the show for the last <laughs> 20-something years, but you've joined us on the Who Takes Roadshow today. Now, most things we've had on this segment have been merchandise that you can buy off the shelf, mass-produced or limited edition. Yep. You've got something a bit different today. What have you got? Um, well, today I've brought in, and it's in a little sealed box, today I've brought in what, when you open the cover, looks like a Batman earring. Yes, but that, that, that's definitely Batman. It's... Yes, that's definitely a Batman earring. Um, what it is, this is uh, Sophie Aldred, or, or Ace's earring, um, from Remembrance of the Daleks. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it is actually a part of the show's history. Um, I came by this, we ran, uh, or oversaw a convention here uh, in 19, late 97, so in coming up to 20 years, um, where we had Sophie as our guest of honour, and I think it is still actually the only Victorian con with a specifically imported guest. Uh, I think yes. the fan run event with or, a specifically... Or certainly fan run, yes. Fan run with a, with a specifically imported guest. Um, and look, I, I think uh, you'd agree that that was a great weekend. Yeah, look, it was a, certainly a big deal at the time. Now, we'll talk about that in a moment, but this is screen-worn? Uh, it is screen-worn. Uh, this, uh, she brought this out to, to auction off in the charity auction, uh, which we did. Um, it was sort of a, a thing at the time amongst the fan-run things. They'd sort of hit the guest up for a, a, a nice item um, to bring out to, for, uh, to put in the auction, and, and the proceeds from that usually would go to charity. Sure. Can you, can you see it clearly if you watch Remembrance? Or? Um, if you really want to sit down and pick through the, <laughs> yep. the close-ups, yes, you can. Um, you can also see the scenes where she's wearing the uh, other earring, which we'll get to in a minute, I think. Yep. But, uh, yeah, look, it is. if you really want to sit down and, and watch it closely, yes, yes, it is visible. Excellent. So we'll, we'll come back to that in a moment, but I want to talk more about the convention that you, you touched on. Now, these days in the days of professionally run cons where you pay exorbitant amounts of money and you get about half an hour of each guest, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, uh, we, we, we forget about what it was like when, as fans, we had to raise the cash to bring someone out from the UK. And if you wanted Sophie Aldridge, you didn't just drive up from London. It was a 24-hour plane flight. No, it was a big deal. I mean, look, the fan, the fan run cons really are now a thing of the past here. Um, I mean, it was a big deal to have, to have a convention here in Australia that had an overseas guest. Um, quite often what you would find is we'd discover uh, X person would be in Australia for other reasons. And, of course, there'd be a mad scramble to try and get them for the afternoon. Um, you'd remember we did an event when Lala Ward was here yes. um, in, in the mid-'90s. So uh, She was out here with Richard Dawkins, who was on a speaking tour, um, and she had a free afternoon. So we immediately, you know, really quickly organised something around that. Um, or you'll get somebody like Mark Strickson, who will come out and very deliberately say, hey, fandom, I'm going to be in the country. Anybody want to hire me for an afternoon? Yes, or, or indeed, when he lived here, I'm going back to England um, would you like me to come for an afternoon before I leave? Yes. So, obviously, a big expense, particularly back in the nineties, to pay an airfare 
usually business airfare, would it be fair to say? Um, it, it was. I mean, we budgeted... I remember sitting there doing a lot of work on the figures. Um, and actually, um, we paid Sophie and paid all her money, I think, about a week before the dollar <laughs> collapsed. Um, down, a, a knocked about... It went from about 48p down to about 39p. I remember that happening. Um, and that was only about a week after we'd paid her. So... But um, it, it was a lot of planning and a lot of fundraising. Um, that was probably the thing that characterised those sort of events. You, you'd have the, you know, quite often you'd have these fundraising events beforehand. I mean, we um, were quite lucky. I mean, we had the telly movie in the year beforehand and we did a, a screening of that. We made some money out of that. Um, and, of course, we came away from the, the Lola Ward Day we mentioned a few minutes ago. Um, we, we did quite well out of that as well. We did. And we also were able to, I believe dovetail off Sophie's honeymoon, um, which, which, was, which was a way of sweetening the, the package. It, it was a bit, because we, um, we we sort of, when we started talking about, I mean, we did the initial thing, yes, we'd like to run a convention, and yes, we want, and who do we want to get? Well, we settled on Sophie, and, and there was a couple of reasons behind that, part of which was a, an aborted attempt to get her out a few years earlier. Um, but um, we sort of made the approach to her agent. Um, well, but it would be fair to say that after the doctor's, at that point, Sophie was, perhaps, perhaps with the only exception of Nicholas Courtney, she was absolutely A-class. Probably her and, and, and I guess, uh, Elizabeth Sladen would have been the other. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, to, to be honest, I would say with time, the event we ran was called Time Storm. And, and I'd be honest and say, look, had the Sydney Club not had Liz Sladen out a year earlier, she probably would have been the one I'd have gone after. Um, but we decided on, on Sophie. And look, she was an awesome guest. But yeah, we we made the approach to her agent. It was very much, well, look, you know, we'll obviously we'll fly her out. Um, we'll put her up while she's here. Look, this is what we can offer as a, a as a fee, um, etc. And there was a bit of toing and froing about um, about the money involved. And and we hit upon the point where her agent said, well, look, rather than offering a business class airfare, would you be prepared just to to pay for two economy class airfares? Because she and her husband haven't really had a proper honeymoon, and they are actually thinking they might like to have it in Australia. So, of course, yeah, that's we sort of said, yeah, that's fine. Well, because they, they came out, I think, about a month before the convention and, and, and spent um, totally unrelated to anything they did with us, just, just travelling around. They did Ayers Rock and they did a lot of the sites of Australia and then came down, excuse me, then came down to do the, um, do the convention in Melbourne. Um, and pretty much after that, they, I think they'd had a few days in Sydney and then went home. Yeah. Uh, basically, we were right at the end of their tour. But... Um, yeah, so that, that was how that worked. And, and look, it, it did tie in quite nicely because she obviously, as I said, was looking for a honeymoon and we offered her really, I guess, a mechanism to have a really good holiday. Yeah, and that, that was an example of just the sort of things you'd have to do to get a guest out from, from Britain. Um, very much so. And, I mean, it was, it was also quite... Um, I mean, we, we sort of immediately discounted the doctors as being too expensive, um, I think, for a first event. Look, if we ran a second one, we'd probably look at a doctor then. I mean, clearly, look, the Holy Grail... I guess for for a convention would be Tom Baker. Yeah, look, but, I've, I've 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 come to peace with the concept that I'm probably never going to meet Tom Baker. Yeah, which which is sad because I was going off on a bit of a tangent. I, I was involved in a couple of attempts um, to to get Tom out here in the late nineties, um, both of which sadly didn't really come to anything. He, I, I think, as I said, would, would remain probably the holy grail um, for for an event here. But uh, no, look, we we ran our event and look, we got. Um, we, we sort of progressed and I mean I, I remember us having sort of the discussion probably about six eight weeks out where we'd taken X amount of money in in memberships and sort of having the well do we actually have enough to commit that we're actually going to go ahead and do this 
um, or are we sort of at the point where well, maybe the money's not going to be there? Look, we, we can we we're still at a point where we can walk away without anybody losing their money, and we can offer full refunds to people. Um, and, and as I recall, that was when a lot of the interstate members joined up. Yes, it was. We we suddenly had a uh, it was quite fortuitous because we were sort of arming and ahhing a bit, and then we had a, a sudden massive surge in membership um, about six weeks out, and it was like, well, clearly the money's it. Let, let's let's do it. Yeah, and, and again, I think this is a contrast. Just a, It's a reflection of the size of the country and the size of fandom here. In the UK, you get an impression, you know, there's a London event or a Manchester event or a Scotland event, and, and, and people sort of stick to their regions. Whereas here, if you don't get, you know, a dozen or more members from Sydney, a couple from Brisbane, a couple came over from Perth, you actually don't have a critical mass to run an event. No, probably not. Um, I, I think, and I mean, at that point, I mean, we're talking late 90s, so I mean, Doctor Who was... was you know, probably not with the general public. I mean, you were really just preaching to the, the small core of fans, I think. Mm. Um, whereas now, I, I think you'd have a much broader audience to, to preach to. And, and because the Virgin New Adventures were very much at their peak in 97, and Ace's character had been in that, left, come back in a reimagined form. Yes, she was still at Tur- the, Turbo Ace. Turbo Ace, yeah, but she was still very much at the forefront of, of fans' collective thinking. Oh, I think so. Um, and look, I, I, as I said, um, she probably wasn't my first job, but she was an awesome guest. Yeah. Um, she was a great guest. She did a lot of, put in a lot of work over that weekend. I mean, there's always things you would do differently when you sit down afterwards and think, well, what worked and what didn't. But um, I think everyone who attended had a great time. I didn't really hear too much in the way of complaint. No, and I certainly have very fond memories of after hours, whereas some guests, and quite quite rightfully, and they're, they're quite entitled to, like to go back to the hotel room and have their own time and get back. She was sort of like, well, if there are a few people staying on site and they've opened a bottle of scotch, well, I'll come join them. I'm and, more than happy to come and sit and talk to you. And, and, and tell and, funny know. stories about Sylvester McCoy. Yeah, um, which which was great. And she was really personal because she was here in Melbourne for a few days beforehand and a few days afterwards. And, and after the convention particularly, we took her around and did some of the sites um, around Victoria. And look, she was a great travelling companion. Yeah, so you, you say that that's really that style of convention's gone. Can you ever see a circumstance where that might happen again or is it just impossible to compete? I'd like to think there is still a place for well-run fan conventions. There, there is a group here in Melbourne um, that they don't run Doctor Who events, but um, they're a group called Con... Well, the one they're about to run is, a, I think, a group called Con 80. Um, they've run two prior events, which was uh, thing Con 9 from Outer Space and Con 70 uh, a year or so ago. Um, and that was really just a return. There were no guests, but that was really just a return to the traditional uh, Australian fan-run event um, where you had no guests, but what you had was, you know, you had really good panels, really solid content, and it was just a, a thing for fans just to come and hang out and have fun for, for a weekend. Yeah, and look, I, I certainly embrace that concept because I've found that whilst it's wonderful to get three, four, five UK guests in a room... And you know, get their autographs and see them speak for their allotted forty minutes, or you know, if that they're very sterile events. Yes, that, 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 that was a word actually. I was front as, of my mind, as Monty Burns would say. But where's the love? Yeah, very much so. It's and, and it's very much yeah. Get get the people in, get their money, um, give them give them the token time with the guests, and then and then just you know go home. Yes, and and you know more time spent on scheduling paid photos. Yeah, the, the, the actual, actual actual events, you know, the convention dis- stops. Discussing the love of the show. Yes, and... um, you know, the guests are either, if they're not on stage, they're, they're locked away in the green room where nobody's got the access to them, or they're sitting behind a table doing photographs or autographs. Um, yeah. And there's no, no, you're right, there, there's no love in those events at all. No, and I think the UK 
fandom still has those loving events, and I hope they don't go mm. down the path Australia's gone down. That's a, I guess a, a warning of the future, possible future for, for the UK. Is. I think sadly the money now. Um, I, I think actually running a fan event where you specifically imported a guest now would be a much bigger undertaking probably than it was years ago because the expectation of the fee now is much higher. And and also, would it be fair to say the expectations of actors in the new series is very different? Like like the whole generation of actors expect yeah, something different. I, I suspect actually, yeah, the new series, and you've seen that actually with, with the um, most of the, the professionally run events as well. I mean, there was the, the group that brought Matt Smith out, but... Um, most of them have, have really gone for the classic series mm. um, people, and now they've really sort of drained that well. Um, those events have just stopped. I mean, there hasn't been one now for, what, two years or more? Nearly two years, yeah. Um, I, I think so. But the expectations there, I mean, we're talking when these events, we were doing these events, you know, I mean, the doctors were asking for maybe £2,500, which now is, you know, I mean, they wouldn't get out of bed for that, I wouldn't think. No, no, look, that's... Um, and, and, and to be honest, look, we paid Sophie a, a lot less than that. Um, I mean, I suppose for us, again, we had the added thing that you could come out to Australia and have a holiday, but, you know, the, the asking prices just weren't there in those days. No, look, that's fair. Now, you've brought out a show-used prop. Was, was, was that is that a big thing in Doctor Who fandom? Like, do lots of people have these, or um, was it something you've gone after personally, or...? To, to be honest... This this particular one, um, I think I bought because it was probably the one... I mean, she brought a couple of things out. There were some examples of articles she'd written for DWM that hadn't been published um, that she also auctioned off. Um, but this was probably the one big ticket item that she brought. Um, I, I mean, she did make the point that um, she'd actually been to a number of events and, of course, they all... In, in England, they used to ask the same thing, can you please give us something you know, that we can do a charity auction for? And she sort of did the thing. I've actually pretty much tapped out now. Um, so, you know, I, I've brought this because a lot of the other stuff I had is, is long gone. Um, you know, I had some Nitro 9 cans and things, but they, they went years ago. They would have been pretty cool to um, Yeah, to they would have been pretty cool to own. So, um, props owning is... Look, it, it's probably one for the, the hardcore collectors. You know, I have a big collection of Doctor Who stuff, and to top it off, I now am going to get, get into screen-used items and they go for a lot of money um i mean i've owned a few props over the years i have a friend who's recently sold off what was quite a sizable doctor who collection and he had a lot of props what what's what's the best one you've seen out there i i've seen um there was one i had which was the key to time um, as in that, the, the actual yes, key as to in time. the actual screen news key to time well, was that, well what it was it was actually five segments with plus the tracer um, and the chap who owned it, the UK fan who owned it, he had actually had a piece made to, for the fifth, for the, for the sixth seg, the so missing it, segment. So it's that one from the middle of Armageddon where the doctor pulls out yes. and says, we've, we've got the empty space. Yes, um, okay. I think it's that one. And he had a piece made. And he actually said having the perspex piece made cost him like five times what he paid for the prop. Wow. But um, to get it to look exact. Um, that, that one was very nice. Um, one I, I've, never, I've only ever seen in pictures that I would dearly love to see in person um, is, um, and I, look, I, I guess I can say it's David Howe, he um, has the little matchstick horse uh, from the Myth Makers, which I have seen pictures of, and I think it was even used, I think he even allowed it to be used in, in the reconstruction one group did. And that, that just looks beautiful. Mm. It's a beautiful little thing. Probably ones I've seen, um, they're one of the small Yeti models. 
from, yes. from Web of, I think it's from Web of Fear, um, the, the specific one, but those little homing beacons they use for the Yeti. Yep. Um, the, what, what's, the, what's the best you've owned? The best one I've owned, um, I, I've had a couple. I had, um, I had the rule book from Paradise Towers. Yeah, now I remember you showing me that, and what looks like a proper prop on screen, screen. is just a very cheap exercise book with green paper um, yes. folded over what, the cover. What it was, it was actually a, a, a Cliff's Notes or one of those study guide books um, for, for the novel Kess <laughs> um, that, that literally had had green contact put over it so you couldn't see the title. The interior of the book hadn't been modified in any way. It had rule book on it in Letraset, um, and it had one of those little, remember those little the things they put the pen in with a little curly cord that they used to put next to the phone organisers? Or at the, bank, to, and at the bank. Yeah, at the yeah. bank. Yeah, it had, basically it was this pen with a little holder and a curly cord holding it on. And that was it. And I remember getting that, being really excited because I, I found it being sold and I bought it because this is something to do with the series. And then I got it and I was just like, really? That's it? <laughs> um so that was um, that. That I must admit, I don't. I don't have anymore. I mean, look, it was cool to say I had part of the series. Um, I also had one of um, uh, Kane's uh, Kane's coins uh, oh, yes. from. I think that was a fake, though. I don't. I didn't actually have any um, okay. any certification or anything with that. Um, probably the coolest bit I owned. Sort of in hindsight, I was a bit sorry I sold it. Um, I actually owned part of the costume um, for one of the. It was one of the background Vok robots. Oh, wow. uh, from Robots of Death, it was part of the Tabard and the thing with the with the nameplate on it. That um, that that went again. That went a while ago. Yeah, that that's those. But no, some the the bloke I know who recently sold, he had um, like a he had um, Silurian mask and the arm bracelet thing from um, Warriors of the Deep. Mm-hmm. Um, he had um, he had a, a Dalek trooper helmet from Remembrance. One oh, of the, oh goodness! Yeah, um, a Cyberman helmet or actual screen new Cyberman helmet. Oh, which, which era? Um, Earthshock. Earthshock, yeah. So, yeah, I think it was either Earthshock or from Attack. I can't remember which, but um, it's the modern version. Oh, no. The, Sorry, the, the, the J&T version. Yes, yes, the J&T version. Yeah, yes, indeed. Um, no, no, the, the, the 60s ones, they go for, for absolute shite loads. Right. Um, I think, I mean, some of the other ones I've seen over the years, I mean, this chap had more. Some of the other ones, um, I know Ian Levine had the, he had the little model TARDIS from... Um, the Curse of Paladin, the one that they fall when they do the fall mm-hmm. down the cliff. Um, I think he's since sold that. But um, there's some around. There, there was actually, um, and, and again, I, I could put a shout out. There's a very good Doctor Who research magazine called Nothing at the End of the Lane, um, which is mm. well worth a read if you're interested in, 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 particularly in 60s and 70s Doctor Who. And and there's only like in 13 years they've released something like four issues. Um, so it's, it's not a hard magazine to collect um, and they are all still available yep um, they had a, a thing in their recent uh, issue with, with some props and there, there was some actually Hartnell era stuff in there like there was actually one, a guy who owned um, he owned one of the Vord capsules um, the little model capsules oh, okay. they made yeah, for the yeah, Keys yeah, of yeah. Mariners with a plasticine Vord still inside <laughs> it um, yeah so okay. there, there are props out there okay so Getting back to the one that you've brought in today, yes. what, what's, what's the story behind this piece? Well, um, as I said, it was sold in the charity auction uh, at Timestorm. Now, the, the story behind it was when uh, they filmed Remembrance of the Daleks, um, Sophie said she'd been given these earrings as a, oh, a Christmas present or whatever, and she thought it was, they were, they're Batman earrings, um, and she thought they looked pretty cool. Um, I think she was only wearing one. Yep. Now, Adam West Batman from the look yes, of it. Yes, it's yep. Adam West Batman. Yep. Um, yeah, she thought, oh, they look pretty cool. And that'd be something like Ace would wear. So she wore it. And 
did the first day's location filming, gave it to the costume bloke at the end of the day, and when they came back next day, it was gone. Now, of course, the thing they used to do with the costumes was there was always a duplicate. Mm-hmm. But because it was hers, there wasn't one. So I think she got a bit of a lecture from the costume guy. Um, and they actually sent somebody around scouring uh, market stalls in Convent Garden to try and find another one. <laughs> um, and what they did in the interim was they just stuck some like big chunk of metal or something in her ear, um, which, again, you can see in the close-ups. And they finally found a pair of these Batman earrings. And then she put it in and she did the scenes and then it broke. So they had to go to the backup one, which was the other one they bought. Yep. Yeah, they got through the rest of the filming. So that's actually the replacement one. It's not the original because it's long gone. Right. But um, it's, it's the backup one. But that's the story of it. Okay. And you bought this at the auction, obviously? Uh, I did. I did. We did the big auction on a Saturday afternoon. And uh, that, that, was my, that was my one big purchase, really, for the weekend. Fair enough. So we'll get to the pricing of it in a moment. But I've got one question I'm curious about. Props from the new series, do they? Is there is there a black market for that, or is there an official market for that, or is that kept so professionally close now that it doesn't exist? Or? No, look, there are props around. I mean, it depends. Look, there are some of the ones like there's um there was a big run, uh, the the notes that uh, Tenant, David Tennant makes spits out of the ATM in the Runaway Bride. Um, I, I don't remember that episode. There's, oh, there's a scene basically where he fires a sonic at, a, at an ATM and it just starts spewing notes right. out. Okay. Um, they were quite readily available for a time afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, no, there is a market in, in new series props. I mean, look, I think the removal of them is quite uh, is more controlled. Yeah. Um, and they use, I think, authorised prop dealers. Right. Um, I think to, to dispense with them. Whereas a lot of the, the stuff that came out years ago, I mean, J and T used to give props to people. Um, and, and plus people used to just nick things, Yeah, basically. Well, well, famously, the teleport bracelets in Black 7... Yes, indeed. Were, were, ...they had about three at the end of Series 1 because people kept nicking them. Yes, well, there is that scene, I think it's uh, might be slightly later, but there is that scene where they sort of do the pan across the teleport desk and basically all the slots are empty by the ones <laughs> I think the cast have actually got That's on. Right. <laughs> so what would you expect a piece like this to go for? Um, to be honest, I've got absolutely no idea. Um, it could be worth quite a bit. It could be worth absolutely nothing. Uh, I paid, I th- think, 200 for it, I think, from memory. Um, I could probably go back and look at the Time Storm video, the Royal Time Storm video, <laughs> to find out what I paid, but I think it was around 200 um, I've got no idea what it's worth, to be honest. I, I, I think, as I said, it would it'd be something that might be worth quite a lot. It'd be something that might be worth absolutely nothing. Would, would you ever part with it anyway? Um, probably not, because um, Time Storm was sort of my little baby, really. And I remember the hours I put into it. So I suppose it is a memento, really, of, of good times, I guess. Um, yeah. and, and, a, and a great weekend. It was a great weekend. Thank you. <laughs> right, well, <laughs> thank you for coming on the Who Takes Roadshow to talk about that memory and a very unusual piece of um, Who memorabilia. And um, you have a big collection, so maybe in the next year or so we'll have you back. Oh, I can, yes, I can certainly dig out some more unusual pieces. But uh, look, hopefully that's been interesting, and thanks very much for having me on. It's been a pleasure. <laughs>